Hey friend, this is Shelby, host of the Resilient Podcast. I believe that every woman should have what she needs to feel confident. Each experience looks different, but that doesn't mean we have to be alone. What if as women, we came together and had real conversations that strengthened each other to go deeper with God and go further in life? I don't know about you, but that's what I'm here for. Let's do this together. Hello, ladies. Welcome back to the Resilient Podcast. Um, I am back after being away for a little while, after having my baby, and then also now I've been doing some more episodes on my own, but we're back with a special guest today, which I'm very excited about. Our guest, her name is Sana. Hi, Sana. Hi. <laughs> and she... Um, yeah, I'm excited to connect with her. She reached out to me on Instagram and we set this up. Um, and I'm just so excited about uh, what she has to share today. And even uh, when you messaged me on Instagram um, and we connected that way, I just really felt drawn to like your heart and just uh, what you wanted to communicate. And just even in, in looking at your profile and going to your website and just getting to know a little bit more about you. I don't know why, but I don't, I don't typically take interviews through just like inquiries over Instagram, but uh, I don't know. I just felt drawn and I felt like the Holy Spirit had something for you to share. And so I'm very excited to to hear from you today. Um, but for you listeners, um, she is from Ontario, Canada, and she is married. She has a son who is a year old. What's his name? His name is Dominic. Oh, and so, yeah, she's in this season of motherhood, but she also is currently studying to be a spiritual care therapist. And uh, that kind of even leads into what we'll be talking about today, which is covering, like, can I be a, a Christian and struggle with depression? Can I have faith and and be depressed in some ways? And um, yeah, so she she's studying to be a spiritual care therapist, and she recently wrote a book that actually it just launched this week, and uh, she's having her launch party tonight, which is so, so exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, her, the book is called Fragile and Flourishing, and it's just about her journey with mental health and kind of where God is in the midst of those battles for us. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about her, but I would love Sana, to have you um, share maybe a little more in depth about yourself. So whether you want to talk maybe about your family at all or your husband or uh, kind of even what is on your heart and why you're you're uh, going in this direction and what you're studying and all of that. We'd love to just have you introduce yourself a little bit more. Sweet. Um, I'll try to be concise and pithy because I'm very much a verbal processor and <laughs> spend a lot of time talking about Jesus in my life. Mm -hmm. um, where to start? I think mental health and mental illness is just very personal for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's a core part of how I came to believe in Jesus. I was raised mm -hmm. with Christian parents, kind of in Christian homes, if I could use that phrase, since my parents were divorced when I was young. Um, but they both loved the Lord and raised me to love him. And yet when I was in high school, I was in this time of being very suicidal. And I wow. think I thought that I was a Christian at that point, but I never really understood that God's love was unconditional. I thought wow. I had to earn it by being like the perfect Christian or perfect pastor's daughter. And so, mm. um, and I realized I wasn't perfect and there's yeah. no reason for God to love me. And so then what is even the point? And I got to a very, very hopeless and suicidal space. 
Um, mm. And so about a week and a half before I was going to attempt to make a suicide attempt, um, my mom, who loves the Lord, filled with the spirit, she was dropping me off at my dad's after I spent the weekend with her. And mm. she just looked at me as she was driving and she was like, don't do it. And wow. at this point, like my grades were on top of things like I was volunteering. No one knew what I was planning. And she she didn't know either. She went on to say, hey, like this might sound weird. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I just get a mm-hmm. strong, strong sense from the Holy Spirit to tell you not to do something that you're planning on doing. Wow. And I don't need to know what it is. And she didn't know what it was until about four years later when I told her. Wow. And so... I went to my dad's house, she dropped me off, and I was shocked because I'm like, hey, Lord, I know what you're talking about, Hmm. but why would you want me to be alive if I'm not good enough Hmm. um, to be loved by you um, or to be loved by anybody? And then he led me to Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, but mainly 4, um, and a paraphrase of it would be, before the foundation of the world was laid. He chose you or chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. And then wow. in verse five, predestining us to adoptions as sons, um, mm-hmm. brackets and daughters <laughs> for us <Yes. laughs> uh, on this podcast, listening to this. And yeah. so I think it really hit me that like, okay, if, if God loved me before the world was even made, then it was before I could have done anything good to warrant it or anything bad to lose it which means Mm -hmm. God really just chose me for like no other reason than he wanted to. And so that just, that just like blew my mind. Grace became real to me. That's when I would Mm -hmm. say I came to faith in Christ. And for a good chunk of years after, I did not struggle with suicidal thoughts, with depression. I thought it was something I was quote unquote delivered from. Uh And then, um, in my third year of university, I just began realizing that my mood was all over the place. And I just didn't feel very, like, in control of my emotions and my thoughts. So I was mm-hmm. like, hey, let me look up to see if there are any Christian therapists in my city. Yeah. I'm just going to, like, try to get some help. And it was through that process of assessment that we realized, oh, I actually have anxiety hyphen depression. And so the mm-hmm. last few years have been grappling with that diagnosis and it's been Mm. a time of intense suffering with my mental illness but a lot of God's goodness sustaining me through it which is also what the book talks about but I said I was gonna be pithy and I don't think I was (laughs) (laughs) no but that's super helpful to get a glimpse into um like why you're passionate about this and like why you think it's important to talk about that, you know, and to understand your personal experience. I think, um, yeah, like even for, uh, I don't know, it's becoming more common, but for a long time, the church has not really talked about suicide or suicidal thoughts or depression or any of that where, um, not acknowledge that people actually can struggle with that and still be a Christian and still love Jesus fully. And, you know, and so I think that can be really ostracizing or can cause people to feel really isolated. So then if that's not something that's talked about, or sometimes it's, uh, yeah, it's looked at as like, oh, you're like, you're sinning for having struggled with these things or 
because you're in the midst of it. And uh, so then people are like, well, why would I ever tell anybody that? Right. And so I think that um, it's so important to even just hear different people's stories and experiences dealing with depression or suicidal thoughts to know, like, if you struggle with this, you're not alone. And there are other people who love Jesus who also struggle with this. Mm-hmm. And there are steps that you can take uh, to get help and get uh, whole and get uh, some like the some freedom in that. And so, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's super just helpful for us to have a better understanding. Um, but yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit more about that question specifically of like, mm-hmm. how can I be a Christian and struggle with depression? Um, how can I have faith and be depressed? So do you want to just expand on like, how are those two things possible? Yeah. And so I think, um, how do I say this? So depression isn't a sin in that your diagnosis of depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or whatever mental illness you might struggle with. Um, It's not a sin because disease isn't a sin. Like we look at John 9, I believe. Yes, John 9, when the disciples asked Jesus, like, who sinned, the blind man or his parents? Like, why is he blind? Mm -hmm. Jesus is like, no one sinned. It's so that the glory of God would be displayed. And we realized mm-hmm. that glory was going to be displayed through that man's healing. Um, mm-hmm. And so disease isn't a consequence of your sin. It's a consequence of Adam's sin. And we have yeah. to really grapple with the fact we're living in the aftermath of the fall in Genesis mm-hmm. 3, where now shame comes into the picture and fear and, and death and disease. And so yeah. we live in these and we're embodied. So we live in these broken bodies that don't do and don't function the way they were designed to. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that plays out with like your mental or emotional health, which sucks, but it's a part of being in the already and not yet where we are saved. We do belong to another kingdom. Um, We will be with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth, but we're living in this earth, in this earthen vessel, or I think Paul calls it in this earthly tent um mm. right now and yeah. um and sometimes that earthly tent is accompanied by mental illness mm. yeah and that's a really good description of of narrowing kind of where that falls right and going like yeah and i think i i heard somebody not long ago say like if we approached like for so long we've approached mental illness as this like sinful thing. Um, but if you approach it as any other type of illness, you wouldn't not get help for those things. You know, like mm. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, wow, you did something to deserve that cancer, you know? And mm. so for some reason we have a disconnect between like how this can be a real illness and really affect our bodies and really affect, um, how we are battling with depression or, or some of those things. Um, and I think in the midst of that, it doesn't mean we have to make agreement with every thought that comes into our mind and there exactly. are battles that we can wage in that. Um, but like taking the approach of, yeah, not all of it is just because I, I didn't renew my mind enough or I didn't, you know, it's not all approached in that way. And so I think that's, that's really important to differentiate that. Um, and so then I also would love to hear like, does the Bible address depression? And, and if so, like, what have you found as you've studied the word of God and what the Bible says about, yeah, dealing with our emotions or like really negative emotions? 
Yeah, so it's interesting. I don't think the Bible explicitly says this person was depressed and this is how they dealt with it. But if we yeah. if we really study it, we can see the symptoms of depression all over scripture. Um, yeah. And so we, and that's one thing I, I love about the Bible. It encompasses the full gamut of the human experience. So even mm-hmm. if they didn't have labels or diagnoses for these things a thousand, yeah. two thousand years ago, people were experiencing them. It's not, mm-hmm. there's nothing new under the sun. And yeah. so like, you've probably heard this a lot. Might sound really cliche, but I'm going to say it again. The Psalms are very honest expressions of joy, but also mm-hmm. of pain. Like, uh, yeah. let me see. In Psalm 143, verse three and four, it says, for the enemy has pursued me, crushing me to the ground, making me live in darkness like those long dead. My spirit is weak within me. My heart is overcome with dismay. You have mm-hmm. Psalm 6, 6. I'm weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. These are pictures wow. of like deep despair and deep yeah. sadness. You have one of my favorite passages in the scriptures because it resonates with my lived experience so much is 1 Kings 19. The chapter before that, Elijah has just called down fire from heaven and humiliated these idol worshipers. Yeah. And then... After that, Jezebel is like, I'm going to kill you. And he gets mm-hmm. terrified. He runs for his life. He goes into a cave and he says, and I quote, I have had enough, Lord, take my life. For I'm wow. no better than my ancestors. This is an expression of suicidal ideation by a prophet yeah. of God who had God's spirit and just had like a massive victory in the spiritual realm. And so huh. we can very much see that like there are, and these are just a few examples, but there yeah. have been hints of symptoms of depression all over the human experience. And the mm-hmm. Bible didn't shy away from this, um, yeah. which shows us that like God sees this and it's not something that is too big for him. Like he still actually can draw us very near to him in the midst of it. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, it's, God wouldn't expect us to not feel those things or have those emotions or have some of those thoughts. Like if he expected that of us, he wouldn't include that in the word of God. You know, Mm -hmm. like in the Bible, why would it talk about something that we're not allowed to experience or feel, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or that we're condemned for for feeling right. And so, um, it very much shows that like, I love that example of like a prophet who is connected to the spirit of God is even himself having suicidal thoughts. So that is a real, like a real struggle. And, um, and yeah, it's not all like based on your circumstances, your circumstances could be great and still have different struggles that you're wrestling with. Um, that yeah, maybe from the outside, it looks like things are good, but on the inside, there's maybe a battle being waged. And so I love also the, in the examples that you gave, how each one of those people or each uh, of those passages is going to God with mm-hmm. those struggles, right? It's like, mm-hmm. God, Hey, this is how I feel, but I'm coming to you in the midst mm-hmm. of that. Like I'm coming before you, I'm telling you that I feel this way. I'm, I need you. And so that's just a beautiful picture. I feel like of God's invitation to us to draw near to him in the midst of our, our own struggles, our own emotions that maybe feel overwhelming or we feel overcome by grief or tears or uh, 
darkness or whatever that might be, like it's an invitation from God to like come to him in the midst of that. So absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Um so also like something I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but like in the in the church depression and uh even like suicidal thoughts have really been approached um as like a taboo topic in the body of Christ, something that we don't talk about very often. And what would you say like in in your experience or from what you've seen as you've looked into this, like why why is that the case? Why do you think it's so hard for us as Christians to approach this topic of of depression or, or mental health? Hmm. It was interesting because um, there are times if you've been a believer for a little while, you eventually start to complain about Christ's bride and you start to complain about Christ's church and just vent, oh, I wish we were did more evangelism or wish we were more on fire. Or we were, and, and I realized like I can have this vent to complain, oh, I wish we approached mental illness, mental health better. And yeah, as I was yeah. processing this question, God just gave me a lot of compassion for how mm. um, it's actually really hard to figure yeah. out how to do this in recent history. Um, mm. As I was thinking about it in my own personal experience, um, I'm African Caribbean. Like my parents are from Jamaica, came to Canada, mm. and I was born here. Um, uh-huh. But I was raised in both white and black spaces. And in mm. the Black or Caribbean church, let me look at my notes a little bit here. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't tend to handle suffering well. A part of mm. this is because we firmly believe so much in God's victory and Christ's victory over death that we expect to like see that victory in every area of life, which is a good yeah. thing, but mm-hmm. it can lead to spiritual entitlement and it can be like a gateway for the prosperity gospel that we shouldn't have any suffering. Um, yeah. And so since mental illness is a form of suffering, we just don't have a gamut for like, why would I suffer like this when I love the Lord? Then you yes. have the dynamic of like really, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this well. I feel like throughout history, People have been trying to define what is the soul, what is the heart, what is the mind. Philosophers have tried to figure this out. Theologians have tried to figure this out. Now psychologists are trying to figure this out. And and we don't really know. Like, are they all distinct? Do they overlap? Even different branches of the church disagree about these things. And so Mm -hmm. then um, it gets really complicated when suddenly the mind is afflicted and you don't know, is that the soul too? Is that the heart? What is, what is Mm -hmm. actually happening? So if you don't even know how to define what's being affected, you don't really understand like how it's being affected or why. And so you don't really know how to address it. And I think we need a lot of compassion for these things that compassion for the history of the church and just not knowing and in mm-hmm. that ignorance, maybe deciding to just put some very positive verses on it about faith yeah. and hope and joy and love and then yeah. moving on because we just didn't know how to deal with it. And there were other things. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, I think it was refreshing to realize, OK, my forefathers and mothers in the faith were confused, too, and were just yeah. trying to figure out how to do this. 
and mm-hmm. and not really figuring it out, um, maybe not even having the resources to figure it out like we do now in yeah. human in our time of human history. Mm-hmm. We kind of just dropped the ball or it fell through the cracks. And while that's a yeah. problem, I don't know, I think we can be gracious to our like yeah. Christian ancestors in this way, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, that's a really beautiful approach because um too, if you look at all of culture, not just even in Christian culture, but outside the body of Christ as well, like emotions were not talked about as much in the older generations. It was very much like pull up your bootstraps, tough it out, like you can do this. That was very much a cultural thing, I would say, not just for Christians, but as a generation, the generations before us. And so if that's the case outside of the church, it's going to affect the church as well. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I think that's a really beautiful picture that you painted of just like God's heart of not going like, oh, well, why has this been an issue or why has this never been talked about? Like we may now have the best resources um, and the best ability to understand the human experience that we've ever had in in the existence of humanity, right? And I think, like you said, we're just, we're just trying to understand um, mind, soul, body, spirit, like how God created us. And we don't, even have all the perfect answers and we never will. The reality is like until we meet Jesus and are on the, on that side, (laughs) uh, we're not going to probably have a full understanding of ourselves and how the human experience should work and how our bodies work, our minds, our, our souls, all of that. We're just doing our best to understand with the tools that we've been given. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so then moving into kind of more of like solutions um how could we as christians as christian women like how could we better approach this topic like are so, are there some things that even in your own experience you're like oh this was so helpful um like or even if if i had a friend that approached me that they were struggling with depression or suicide or suicidal thoughts like um how how could we go about like handling those types of situations well or being a part of that conversation and being supportive and and like being able to um yeah like love people like Jesus and and uh be with them in the midst of maybe their storm. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um I think it's actually very connected to something you said before. Um I think two things, at least two things that we need um, would be humility and a willingness to endure mystery. Um, humility in that if we don't know about something, but now we have resources available to us, we should learn. And mm. so a part of that is like realizing that like through God's common grace, um, people who don't know Jesus, who don't have the spirit, have still been made in the image of God and he has given them the ability to learn things and research things. Um, Mm. And so even from secular sources, we can learn about the human mind. We can learn about the human experience, as you put it. And when we have the spirit, we can discern, okay, what are the things that are in line and what are the Mm -hmm. things that aren't? But we can take a posture of humility and just trying to learn. Um, I would say, though, there is this amazing ministry. I'm going to they, they don't even know I'm going to do this, but <laughs> they're called Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries, I believe. They're based in Canada, actually, in British Columbia. 
and they have oh. a free course that takes you through a biological, psychological, social, and theological model of mental health and mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be $100, and then they just made it free because they wanted it to be accessible to as many Christians and churches as possible. And so wow. I would say Google Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries, it's a great place to start, not even from yeah. a secular space, but from a faith-based space, learning about mental yeah. health. So start yeah. to learn, be teachable, be humble. And then the mm-hmm. other side of that is realize like we're not going to understand everything. Um, mm. Psalm 131 talks about how like there's knowledge too great and wonderful for us. Um, mm. And that a part of knowing that is being content that God will know everything and we will not know everything, but we can yeah. be content and trust everything to that all knowing God. And so there mm. are things that we won't understand even someone who experiences these things in mental illness, I don't mm-hmm. fully understand sometimes if it's a demon or if it's just distorted thoughts or if it's my biology yeah. and it's, or if it's a weird mix of both. And yeah. can we like be willing to be uncomfortable and mm-hmm. sit in that like mystery of it and trust that it will get resolved in eternity. Yeah. And so I think those would be two great places to start. Um, And if you're really journeying with somebody or you're friends with someone or you love someone who is struggling in this way, Mm -hmm. honestly, just listening and just being an embodied presence with them, giving them a genuine shoulder to lean on, just letting them cry with you, just letting them say everything on their mind and and just saying, like, you love them. God loves them. You're not going anywhere. Mm. Um, It seems really, really basic, but that is a like. That is a moment when you get to um, image God. You get to show that, like, God is with them. God mm. welcomes them. God isn't yeah. leaving. You get to to be his hands and feet and shoulder, <laughs> literally, mm. in that moment. And it yeah. might not seem like much, but it actually does mean a lot. Mm. Yeah. So you're saying like even just being present and then, yeah, being someone who's like, hey, I'm here no matter what. And I love you no matter what. And Jesus loves you no matter what. Like that alone, it it speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's really good. And then I'd love to touch on even like the flip side of that. So like how we can respond to somebody. But if you are someone that's struggling with mental health, um, whether that be with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, whatever that might look like. Um, I know a lot of people don't know what to do. Um, and like how, how to tell someone like, I'm struggling with this, how to know if somebody is like a safe person to go to and be like, Hey, I want to be honest. Like I'm struggling in these areas. I've had suicidal thoughts. Cause a lot of times people are afraid to do that because it can, you can feel like you get a label put on you or, um, like it, it maybe like solidifies it then. And, and if it's just in your mind, then it's not real or, you know, I don't know, what would you recommend for someone uh, who maybe is wrestling with mental health as a Christian woman and, and like how she could maybe like take some steps to share with someone in her life? Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's, it's shrouded in a lot of shame. That's what the world would call stigma. But really, it started in Genesis 3, and it's shame. And you see this with, like, women who struggle with pornography. Like, there's a lot of shame with saying, I'm addicted to this, or I... Yeah. And, but 
in, in both situations, it's taking that step to just say like, I believe this person has a spirit. I believe this person loves me. I'm going to try. Um, and that can be really scary. I've had moments when I've done that um, and I've been told I'm just seeking attention and mm-hmm. they don't believe me and I'm lying. And wow. that was a terrible experience. Yeah. But that is one out of more, I, I can't even count. That's one mm-hmm. really bad experience out of let's say 50 positive ones where I've yeah. shared and people have welcomed that vulnerability. People have been willing to be vulnerable themselves. Yeah. And so I'm not gonna pretend it's not risky. It is mm-hmm. risky, but it is worth it. And if you genuinely, maybe this pandemic has made you very isolated. Maybe you moved in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You don't have a local church yet. You, yeah. you might be disconnected from people in your life or maybe you have no Christian friends or family mm-hmm. members. Like if you are genuinely genuinely that isolated, but you are feeling alone, um, there might be a link to this after this episode, but I have yeah. like made a prayer group where like mm-hmm. you can send me your prayer request. You can share yeah. it with me and I will pray for you and we can figure out times to meet up because mm-hmm. I'm adamant that you cannot do this alone. And of course you're not alone. You have the Lord, but he gave mm-hmm. us the church for a reason to embody him. And so yeah. if you do not, if you genuinely do not have someone you can share it with, I will be that person for you. But I am very sure that our God, who is a provider, has provided you at least one person that you can share mm. your experience with. Mm. No, that's really good. And yeah, we can even link um, in like the episode notes, um, like any resources or like a link to that group, because I think that would be super helpful. I think, yeah, one of the main things to get help is like, okay, I need to know I'm not alone, right? And so how do I get connected if I do feel alone. And so, yeah, we can definitely link that. And then also like, we want to have people connect with you even on social media, if they'd like to do that. So at the end, uh, or even now, what's your social media handle or your like, uh, your Instagram page name? Yeah. So it is at that sign and then S K C N Watts. Okay. Um, that is my first name, my three middle names, and then my new married name. <laughs> okay, perfect. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll make sure people can connect with you, and even on social media, they'll be able to see. Um, because yeah, guys, if you are listening and this is you, and you you do feel alone or you just need someone, we can get you connected, both to Sana, but also like um to that group that she has or different resources. I'll also link the um the sanctuary resource that you mentioned as well, because I think those are great resources for someone who maybe is struggling and just doesn't know where to go from there or like how to get started in like acknowledging maybe, okay, I, I am struggling and then moving forward. Cause I, even for me, like, um, I, in the past, uh, like in the last year, so I would say now I'm the last six months have been better, but for a year before that, I was really struggling with depression. Like if I really narrowed it down, it was like, okay, I actually do think I'm depressed, but it took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time of going like, okay, like I just have negative emotions that I'm experiencing. But then after a while, it started to be progressive to the point where I was like, 
okay. And then I got into some counseling, which was super helpful. Hmm. And it actually helped me go like, oh, I think this, that I'm actually struggling with depression. Like I think in some ways I'm depressed. And I think coming to that conclusion alone was a lot of breakthrough of going like, okay, this is real. And then now what do I do about it? Like now, how do I move forward? Because I think a lot of times when we're in denial, it doesn't allow us to get the help we need or to uh, take some steps uh, to like move forward, to get out of it. We just sit there going like, oh, I'm, I, that's not me. I'm not struggling with that. And then I think it can have the effect of like pushing us further into uh, that place. Um, like even like you said, with shame, like because we have so much shame surrounding things like this, it can keep us in that position of like not coming to terms with it and going like, okay, now how can I move forward? Because uh, I think sometimes we think as Christians too, coming to terms with it or like accepting it is just saying like, yeah, now I'm just going to be depressed for the rest of my life. And and that's also not the case. You can accept the reality of where you're at and then get some tools to move forward. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I would say there's a spiritual dimension to that too. Like, when things stay in the darkness, they cannot be healed. And mm-hmm. they, they dwell in the domain of darkness then. And, and who rules that yeah. domain? The enemy of our souls. When we are actually able to name something and bring it into the light, we can now actually say, okay, God, like, help me with this. Okay, yeah. how are we going to move forward? If things are in darkness, it is not it is not in the kingdom that it belongs, <laughs> that you yeah. belong in. Bring it into the light, name it, and you take so much of Satan's power away just because now you're, you've actually surrendered. Okay, Lord, this is a thing, but you are greater. How are we going to journey yeah. together now? That's so good. That's so good. Living in that reality of, yeah, this is real. But God, you are greater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so let's do this together. And I, I want to lean into you. And I think I I was reading somewhere uh, or even I, w- I had put out some questions, some feelers and seeing if people had specific questions for me to bring up in this episode. And someone mentioned that her, her OB had told her because she was struggling with postpartum depression mm-hmm. that like most women at some point in their life deal with a depressive episode. Mm-hmm. And so- just recognizing that like, that doesn't mean that it's your whole life or that now I'm, oh, I'm just a depressed person. Like I, that I just take that on. That's my identity. No, like you can have a season where you struggle with depression. That is just one point in your life or maybe several different points in your life. Um, but that it is common that most women at some point deal with that. And so just recognizing like, if that is you as a listener, like you are not crazy, you're not alone. Like there's not something just wrong with you. Like you can get the help that you need. And Jesus is so in that with you. Like he's so present and like, so desires relationship in the midst of that. Oh, 100%. And like, I was even thinking with this podcast, like, since it's by women for women, I was like, often depression and anxiety are seen as like, woman disorders. Um, yeah. It's like two, for every two women that have depression, only one man does. It's a crazy ratio. And yeah. sometimes people in the psych community are wondering if that's just a matter of underreporting, if men are just like afraid to say it mm-hmm. um mm. and so maybe it's maybe it's higher for men but so mm. far the literature has shown this like predominantly affects women it affects mm. god's daughters and so you wow. are not alone in this um mm. and like there is nothing new under the sun 
And I think Peter, mm-hmm. he was in the context of the church being persecuted under Nero, but he said the saints have all been suffering these same kind of trials. And so wow. like, take that verse and realize there are other sisters struggling with this too, which mm-hmm. in some ways is terrible. You don't want someone to be able to empathize with your pain in some ways. You don't want them to be in pain. But yeah. it also means that like God has not left you alone. He says he puts the lonely in families. And yeah. this is like an unfortunate sisterhood where we suffer yeah. in the same way, but we can support each other through the spirit in the same way. Mm, yeah. Well, and I, I know even for me, like one thing that really helped was just getting some counseling. Like mm-hmm. that was a huge step for me. Um, and like, through even just six months of consistent, like every two weeks going in for counseling, I was able to like get, like, I would, I would say that I don't struggle with depression anymore. Like, so get out of that place and go like, okay, like I still have different emotions that come up. Like I'm not just like, oh, my life is perfect now, but to get free in a lot of ways. Um, and so I wonder, or I'd love to hear from you if there's some other things or some things that you recommend, um, in someone like moving forward in recognizing like, okay, I, I'm struggling with my mental health. What are some things they could do to start that process of healing or uh, getting some freedom? Yeah. So, oh, um, what I'm going to say is not going to sound revolutionary. revolutionary. Um, it will yeah. be prayer, the word, and community. By prayer, I specifically mean the practice of lament, which I think is something that the Western church, the North American European church um, has lost and is solely mm-hmm. regaining. But it is a type yeah. of prayer where you can bring those ugly emotions to God, that anger, that complaining, that grief. You can bring it to God and leave it with him. And that is something yeah. very powerful when you're struggling with mental illness. Um, so that's what I mean by prayer. By the word, um, I really do mean it. And maybe this is because I grew up in a very old school Christian community, but memorizing scripture was very big. And I think that's also something that we've lost, but it is very powerful to recognize there are key verses that if you meditate on them and memorize them so that they become automatic in those times when you don't have the energy to open your YouVersion Bible app or open your Mm -hmm. Bible um, and you're trying to muster up some type of faith. Those are the moments when the spirit can, can, can like bring those verses back to mind when you need it. That has personally happened to me. And it is, or like my husband will start in the beginning of a verse that he knows I've memorized and then I can finish it. Um, And that's just, very, very important. I can't stress that enough. It's not just mm-hmm. slapping scripture on it. It is literally yeah. training your mind to think these things, even when you're not conscious of it. And then yeah. the third thing with community, I would say, yes, what we've talked about, friends, family, but especially what you just talked about, Shelby, therapy. Therapy is a mm-hmm. very specific type of communal experience between you and another yeah. person who is skilled at navigating this part of Adam's fall. And yeah. I would say, go to a Christian therapist. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. If you are a believer, you want to be seeing someone who is a believer who shares your worldview, who, mm-hmm. who you can bring up Jesus with and the Holy Spirit with and the Bible with, and they will not look at yeah. you like you're nuts. 
And so yeah. you, you need a Christian. There are different yeah. types of Christian counseling. And I would yeah. suggest you like you can research that and figure out where you land. But mm-hmm. that I would 100% recommend as well. And I would say see it as another form of discipleship, of you getting some extra help in your walk with the Lord. And if you see yeah. it that way, I think it could reduce a lot of the shame because you're not going to something yeah. instead of God. You're going to God through another means that you wouldn't yes. have gone through otherwise, but that he's yeah. provided for you. Yeah. Well, it's like tools for how to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like a tool for how to navigate your mental health. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think those are really good. Um, yeah, that's really good insight for how to move forward and and like how to get get yeah get some help that you need. And I love what you were saying about memorizing scripture because I've had that experience as well. That like because I have certain verses that I have memorized. The Holy Spirit brings those to mind when I need them. So it's not even just like, oh, I was reading my Bible, but I might be laying in bed struggling with anxiety or anxious thoughts. And then the Lord brings up a certain verse and I I just repeat it in my mind over and over and I, I experience peace. You know, like there is real breakthrough that comes through using the word of God. And like you said, it's not just slapping scripture on it and going, oh yeah, it's fine. But like taking the word and letting it uh, wash over you and and transform you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love, I love those steps that you shared. That's so helpful. So one thing that I have seen is that both in the church and outside the church, this conversation about mental health is coming to the surface. Mm-hmm. And so we are seeing um, that it is kind of like you mentioned before, like we're getting tools to understand ourselves better and to, to get healthier and to deal with emotions better and all of that. And, um, but outside the church, there's a lot that a lot of resources that you can find. And like you said, like you can still use non-Christian resources, but to use discernment as you do that. Um, but like as Christians, what would it, what, what makes our journey, I guess this is the, how I would summarize my question. How would our journey look different than outside of uh, like if I was not a Christian, you know, so like, what are some yeah. important things that how we need to approach it differently because we are Christians? Cause like there can be some obviously overlap between the two, but there also is this stark reality that we do have the Lord and we have the access to the Holy spirit and we have access to the word of God and all these things. So what would you say, um, as we approach mental health, wh- what makes us different as Christians in how our sh- approach should be? Yeah, no, that's great. Let me look. I remember making notes on this exact question. Um, yeah. And so how do I say this? Um, as a believer, even if your experience of your mental illness or mental health is similar to that of a non-believer, your position is fundamentally different. And what I mean by that is in the psych community, we're all about improving quality of life. Hmm. Psychology never, it does not claim to cure anything, to fix it 100%. It says, okay, assuming this never goes away in this person's life, how can we help them function and then hopefully flourish um, Hmm. with this disease? Um, As believers, we don't just care about quality of life. We have eternal and abundant life. Actually, we're Mm -hmm. actually alive. When you're an unbeliever, and if there is anybody in here who has not put their faith in Jesus, 
I want to say this as gently as I can. You are dead spiritually. Mm. And no matter mm. how great your quality of life is improved, spiritually, you are not alive. Yeah. But for the believer, you are actually alive. And yes. that gives you a hope for glorification for when there is no death and there's no disease and there are no tears. Even if nothing were to change on this side of eternity, you know without a shadow of a doubt that it will change in eternity. Mm-hmm. And that's like a real hope that Christians can hold on to that non-Christians do not have access to. And because they yeah. don't have access to the Lord um, living in them, sovereign over everything with them and present with them, um, they have to be the heroes of their own story. I'm currently yeah. in a theories class and trying to figure out, my husband says, I'm trying to figure out my psychological denomination, trying to figure out mm-hmm. what theoretical framework I agree with the most, which is really which one overlaps with scripture the most. <laughs> and yeah. the thing that they all have in common, even though they're very different, is that the person you're, like the client or the patient has the ability to make the change in their lives themselves. The, mm. the, the locus of responsibility lies on the client. The therapist mm. might be able to teach them some things or help make the unconscious conscious or yeah. give them a positive relationship to process things in. Wherever yeah. they land, though, you have to be the hero of your own story. And that is what you'll see in a lot of like um, Instagram accounts or Pinterest posts or like mm-hmm. affirmations that say like, all I need is in me. Um, yeah. Like it's, you have to be your own hero. Problem with that yeah. is um, humans are flawed and depraved. And even when you are a saved human and a renewed human, you still have a flesh that makes mm-hmm. you unreliable and that makes you a bad hero for yourself. For the believer, Jesus is the hero of our story. And so when we repeat affirmations to ourselves um, or or when we are in our healing and recovery journey, the locus of responsibility is not on us. The Bible says we can't do it. It's on God. Um, God is our firm foundation. He's steady. He's not shaken. He does not sleep. He does not break his promises. He is the only hero um, that we can put everything on and mm-hmm. it won't, he won't buckle under the pressure um, yeah. the way that we do or other people will. And mm-hmm. so that is one of the biggest things that I would say for the believer and even to help your discernment. If you're looking at a resource and it's telling you to trust you or that you yeah. have the power, then you need to step away. Because the Bible mm-hmm. says we are weak, but God yeah. has the power and his power works in us. Um, yes. And that is a promise that we get to have as, as Christian women, that non-Christian women do not yet have. Hopefully they yeah. will put their faith in Jesus and have it. But they don't yet have. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I think should change the way we approach our mental health journeys. Mm-hmm. No, that's so good. And I love that distinction because that brings a lot of clarity, even as, as you communicated it. Um, because 
if you think about it, like if we have to be our own hero, that's a lot, you know, like it's kind of painted as like empowerment and self-empowerment, but in the reality, like it's actually like very, that's a very heavy weight to carry. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus offers him, offers us relationship with him so that we don't have to be our own hero so that we don't have that to have to fix all our own problems that we don't like there's there's no way that we possibly can and so i i think that is such a good distinction of understanding like um realizing where jesus fits and where our relationship with him fits in the midst of this mental health and like we talked about at the very beginning i think just like what we see in the bible is um when people struggled going to him and that invitation to come to him Mm -hmm. in the midst of our struggle. And so, yeah, I think that's even a really good place to kind of wrap up here of just like recognizing in the midst of all of, all of our internal struggle, all of the uh, things going through our head, any anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, any of those things that in the midst of that, Jesus is so with us and for us and that he is the solution. Um, Like there are tools, like you mentioned, there are so many different tools that we can have access to that, that are so valuable, but in the midst of it, like ultimately we can't solve our own problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we have a deep need for Jesus. And so, yeah, I think that's so helpful. Um, Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to leave our listeners with or add, or that maybe we didn't fully cover that you're like, I just, I want to say this final like closing statement um, and make sure that it's shared with them. Hmm. If there's anything, the last thing I'd probably leave with you is that when you're suffering in this way, when you're suffering at all, to be honest, you often ask a question, Lord, why? Why am I going through this? How can you still be good? Do you even love me? Yeah. Um, you can ask all these questions, and they're honest questions. And honestly, don't let them stay in the dark. Ask them of God. Bring them into the light. Cast them. That's lament. Um, yeah. But there is no answer that will bring you the comfort that you want. Your, your comfort is not going to lie in whatever answer God gives you. And there are good and biblical answers. Um, the comfort is going to come in God's presence. Um, yeah. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I am the father of, of mercies. I'm the God of all comfort. Um, mm. He is where you're always going to find your comfort. So ask your questions, wrestle, lament. Um, but realize that your comfort is going to come from his presence, not from what he says. And don't run away from his presence. Even if you're angry with him, even if you only have a little, little, little tiny bit of faith, Mm -hmm. comfort is found where he is. And so just be Mm -hmm. where he is. That's so good. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sana, for like all of what you've shared from your personal experience, but then also just uh, what you're learning and, and just imparting that today. And, and I, I so appreciate that. And I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Um, and then for our listeners, thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah, we just pray that this would um, maybe be what you needed to hear today. Maybe mm-hmm. there were some things that you can grab a hold of and go like, okay, yes, this is kind of some next steps I need to take if I'm struggling. Or even if you have a friend that you know is struggling, I hope it gave you a little more confidence to navigate that. Um, and yeah, I will attach the resources in the notes um, a- as you listen to this episode so that you can uh, 
get more information and dive deeper into this, you can also connect with Sana. And I would even recommend getting her book. Uh, it's called Fragile and Flourishing. And we'll attach that as well um, so that you guys can can get any resources that you need and um, yeah, just uh, any information that would be helpful. And, and so, yeah, uh, before we close, actually, I just feel, would you pray for um, our listeners just, um, just even in this capacity of anyone who's struggling in this area, just for breakthrough or whatever you feel led to pray for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Actually. I love the closing prayer. Um, hmm. Yeah. Heavenly father, just thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Jesus, thank you for dying for us. Thank you for making us family and co-heirs with you. Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit, thank you for living in us. Thank you for making us like Jesus. Thank you for the access to supernatural power and peace that we have by your presence with us and the access we have to God's comfort by your presence with us. Holy God, three in one. Just thank you, first and foremost. Um, Lord, I pray for my sisters. And maybe there's a brother or two listening to this. Um, Mm. Wherever they're at in their mental health journey, whether they're flourishing right now, whether they're languishing, whether they've just been diagnosed, or they're just really afraid to even name this, um, God, I just ask that you would draw them closer to you in this time. And that from you, they would know what is the next step of faith they need to take. Is it looking for a counselor? Is it telling a friend? Is it signing up to get prayer from me? Is it buying my book? Um, Lord, it doesn't have to involve me at all. I I really don't care. As long as they are drawn closer to you and they're taking steps of faith Mm -hmm. with you, they're walking in pace with you, Holy Spirit. That's what matters. I know everyone listening to this has one next step that you do want them to take. And so I ask that they would seek you for it, that you would reveal that to them. Um, Lord, I pray for those who just have people they know and love who are struggling with these things. So I pray that you would empower them with your love, your patient and kind love, with your empathy Mm -hmm. and with the humility, Lord, to just learn and to listen. And Lord, specifically for anyone listening who is just really, really, really in a dark place, who Mm. thinks they're a burden, who doesn't see any point or worth to their life, who feel purposeless, who feel like they don't have a destiny, feels like you made a mistake, who feels like the world would be better off if they weren't here. To my suicidal sister, if there is one listening to this, oh, I pray Mm. that you would just wrap her in your comfort right now. Yes, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would restrain her hand from doing anything that would harm her. I pray mm-hmm. that she'd be able to entrust herself to you, um, that you are the only one who has the authority to give and take life, and that she would submit to that, even if she doesn't agree with it right now. And I pray that there would be people in her life that can just be with her and help her journey towards wellness. Um mm-hmm. Just thank you so much, Lord. We look forward to when we get to see you face to face. And this will all barely be a memory. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much for for praying and, and just for your time today. We appreciate it so much. Thanks for hanging out today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
I also want to let you know that I've written an ebook called Refreshing Your Prayer Life. This is a tool that I'd love for you to have access to. You can download this free ebook by following the link in the episode notes below. Let's chat again soon.